Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up with a week with the NFL Draft now in the rearview mirror, I'm going to talk to Jory Epstein, who is a senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk about how she thinks the Eagles did in the draft, and we are going to rank the NFC teams 1 through 10. We're only going to go through 10, but we're going to take turns picking teams as we feel that they should be ranked now that the draft is in the rearview mirror. Also, one of the Eagles' first-round picks signs his rookie deal. I'm going to talk about Debo Samuel's comments from this week and the whiny 49ers, how they just won't stop. And have the 49ers, given all this, supplanted the Dallas Cowboys as the Eagles' top rival? I'll get into that coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, just a, a little bit of uh, quick news. Uh, Jalen Carter, the Eagles pick at number nine overall, their first round pick, the big defensive tackle out of Georgia, becomes the first NFL draftee this year to sign with the team. Uh, it only took a week for the Eagles to get one of their first round picks under contract. He agreed to a four-year, $21.8 million rookie deal, fully guaranteed, and he becomes, as I mentioned, the first 2023 first round pick to secure his rookie contract. And there was a lot of speculation leading up to the draft about some of the off-field concerns for Jalen Carter, but this is only good as far as I can see. Get him in Philadelphia. Get him into the NovaCare complex as soon as possible. Get him working with the team. I think it's great that he wants to come on board, that there wasn't a whole lot of haggling here, that it didn't take a long time, that he wants to get started. He wants to hit the ground running here and get busy with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's only a positive sign for sure that he signed and I I don't know if I don't know if there's anything that you can really take away from him being the first rookie to sign his contract. It's a good thing. I don't know that it's I don't know that there's a whole lot else behind it. I want I'll put it to you this way. I want to make something more, more out of it. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can make something more out of it, but it, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that Jalen Carter wants to be here uh, and that he's going to be here uh, for a four-year, $21.8 million contract. And, of course, there's the um, the fifth-year uh, rookie option that the Eagles will be able to uh, to trigger in a couple of years if they decide to do that. But uh, good news. Jalen Carter signs his rookie deal, becoming the first 2023 first-round pick to secure his rookie contract. Join me to talk a little bit more about the NFL draft, what the Eagles did, and then we'll take a little bit of a a scan around the NFC, and we're going to pick what we think are the best teams in the NFC. Jory Epstein, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. You can follow her on Twitter at Jory Epstein. Jory used to cover the Cowboys, so she's got uh, pretty good inside information on what's going on with, with Dallas as well. Jory, thank you so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on, John. Excited to be here and excited to to dip into those NFC East routes. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's the best division in football. You never really leave, even if you move out of the zip code, you know? So, um, <laughs> well, let's talk about the draft a little bit. And uh, because we're an Eagles podcast, I want to get your thoughts on uh, how you think the Eagles did. They seem to me to be getting pretty much universally praised for their performance in the draft. But of course, everybody's got a different opinion on it. So, Jory, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, to state the obvious, you never know how a draft will go until the season starts, until a few years in, et cetera. But from a process standpoint, the Eagles did what they needed to do. And what I love about it is I feel like 
in the NFL, teams have so much parity that you want to find a strength and just go in on it, have somewhere where you are better than other teams. Mm. And for the Eagles for so long, it's been the line of scrimmage on both sides, especially offensive line for a while, but now they're defensive line as well. And so I think you look at what they did with their first three picks and they really committed to that philosophy. Obviously, Jalen Carter, the value you got him for at number nine, I think was a steal. But what I like is that Howie Roseman and his, and his group in Philly didn't just say, you know what? We've got a defensive lineman. Now we're going to go address something else. They're like, no, let's continue to make this defensive line as good as possible, especially because they should be the favorites in the NFC. I know we'll get there. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. But you have to figure out how to beat Patrick Mahomes if you can get back to the Super Bowl, probably. Yeah. And so I think that for me, my favorite picks are Nolan Smith at 30 and then Tyler Steen um, in round three at 65, because I just think it's committing to a philosophy that has worked. That isn't necessarily what every team in the NFL is able to do well and understanding this is our strength. Now let's go hit home, make sure we have the people for this year and also the depth that some of our older players move toward retirement. Right. And I think, you know, with, with Jalen Carter, again, that made so much sense provided the off field homework that they did proves fruitful. Right. And I think it's telling that he's the first, first round pick to sign. I don't know mm. if that means he's yeah. real on board. You know, I think it's obviously a good sign. Players don't hold out anymore because salaries are all slotted now. So, I mean, that's kind of a thing of the past most of the time. But um, I think it's great that he signed it. it. I think it shows that he's, you know, got a real good commitment to the to the team and all that. It's certainly nothing bad. Nolan Smith, I think, is interesting because he's an edge rusher. And I think in a lot of ways, kind of similar to Hassan Reddick, certainly not mm. going to be the player that Hassan Reddick is right away. Maybe not ever. Reddick may have been the best defensive player in the NFL last year, certainly in the conversation. But losing Javon Hargrave, there was that real need in the middle of the defense to get that pressure there. Do you get a sense for how much the Eagles can expect from these two guys here in in year number one? Obviously, you don't want to put too much on them in their rookie seasons. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put too much, but if you're picking first rounders, particularly someone in that top half of the draft, you're expecting them to play right away. I think both of them get pretty good action in that first season. And I think Jalen Carter is ready to go. Yes, he'll need to learn the system. Obviously, there have been some questions, and I don't know personally about his work ethic and some of his his practice habits. That's mm-hmm. something that the Eagles will need to work with. But if they can do that from a talent standpoint and from an ability standpoint, he's ready to play in the NFL level. And we and we know that that's why he's considered by a lot of people the best pure talent to go mm-hmm. in this year's draft. So I think, like you said, losing Javon Hargrave, now you've got someone like Jalen Carter, who isn't the exact same talent with the exact same experience, but he's going to be making less than a third of the money that you were paying Javon Hargrave last year. So I just think it's the value you're getting I'd expect Jalen Carter to be starting week one, or I guess depending how you do defensive line rotation, a key contributor week Mm -hmm. one. And I would expect Nolan Smith to be getting some sort of snaps right away. How how weird is it that they could have five potential starters who all played for Georgia in the last last two years? I can't remember any team ever doing anything like this before. And you can't argue really with any of the picks. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on it because on one hand, it's like, Georgia had an insane talent. They had a great defense. These guys will have the chemistry pre-existing, and you see in a different way with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown what that pre-existing relationship can do for chemistry on a, on the field. But on the other hand, I'm like, is it that, or are they just being like a little bit uncreative with their draft philosophy? Yeah. I think that that would be oversimplifying it, but if you wanted to take issue with it, that's where you would go. I think there's something to be said, though, also for if they're doing their homework, they feel like they've got sources in Georgia who have told them, Here's what this guy is. We know how to trust 
the way that they're describing the film study, the practice habits, again, understanding like so much of scouting isn't just on the field. It's understanding the habits. And I think that if they feel like the Georgia people are telling them what's up and they've gotten good intel in the past. It's, I, I think there's a lot of potential. And, and the other thing with the Georgia guys, it's not like they were hidden. You know, these guys right. were all widely regarded as top potential pros and most of the Eagles picked them lower I think than where most people thought they would go most of the time Nicobe Dean right. last year went lower than I think most people thought that that he would go I mean certainly Jalen Carter slipped a little bit uh, Nolan Smith certainly slipped quite a bit so I, I it's fascinating and the only thing that I worry about and it's not a real worry I throw that word around but it's <laughs> you know is there going to be like a little Georgia click in the in the locker room but I think if you have, if you were doing this with a team that did not have good veteran leadership like they have with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Hassan Reddick, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, I think it could be an issue. I don't think it's going to be much of an issue in Philadelphia with those guys here and and in an established locker room where Jalen Hurts is really the team leader. Right. Yes, and I and I think if anything, I wouldn't be so concerned about the click. If anything, I would be more concerned about okay, Jalen Carter had off-field issues at Georgia, and now you're putting him around a lot of Georgia people. I think that would be my top concern. And I'm not saying that will pan out, and I hope for him and for everyone around him that it doesn't become an issue. But if anything, I would say that would be the biggest concern of just, did you really get this guy out of the environment that was creating issues for him? But before we get into talking about now that the draft is over, we want to rank the teams in the NFC. I did want to ask you real quick about some of the stuff that Debo Samuel said over the last 24 hours. And it's a continuing theme about the 49ers, how they've been talking about how they lost their quarterback, Brock Purdy, in the NFC Championship game. And then their second string guy went down in the second half. And there seems to be a, a lot of excuse making from 49ers players, at the very least some you know, Debo Samuel saying he hates the Eagles now because of what happened, as if there was a dirty hit that somehow resulted in Brock Purdy going out, as if Brock Purdy's the first starting quarterback ever to be knocked out of a playoff game in NFL history. What's your take on this? Is, is, is you know, are, are the 49ers being a little bit too sensitive? Are Eagles fans like me being a little bit too sensitive? And should we kind of be more understanding that the 49ers really took a gut punch in the NFC championship game? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that makes football so fun and sports so fun is the emotion. I actually talked to 49ers defensive lineman Nick Bosa this week, and he was saying something similar but totally different tone, which is that it was a tough way to end. We're very excited that we're playing the Eagles in the regular season this year. We're ready for this rematch because you have the quarterback go out. I mean, look, if you're a skill player on the 49ers, if you're a defender on the 49ers, it sucks. You did everything you could. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that you lost your first quarterback. Yes. Injuries are part of football, but that many injuries to the most important and most integral position on the football field are pretty rare. So, yeah, I don't know. Diva likes to talk. It's funny when you I, if you're a reporter, you're like, oh, OK, yeah, you yeah. Keep, keep going, keep going. But I do think that um, I think that I understand why the 49ers would feel that from a defensive standpoint and a skill set standpoint, no one is better than them. Mm. But quarterbacks important in football and. Yeah, they got to stay healthy. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, the Eagles have always focused on the lines. I think in that game, even you know, once Brock Party, when Brock Party, Brock Purdy was in there, the lines were at least early on really uh, kind of dominated by the Eagles. But it is it is interesting. If Purdy had stayed in, I still think the Eagles would have won the game the way they were controlling things. But it was a close game at that point, and so right. you know, who knows which way things could have gone. And I do accept that. You know, we have to, as Eagles fans, be cognizant of the fact that if the starting quarterback doesn't get knocked out, things could have been different. 
different, but um, right. we'll, we'll never know. But I think the 49ers now, I, I think it's that all the home games the Eagles are going to play, usually we focus in on Dallas, right? That's, that's the game. <laughs> I think the 49ers have knocked Dallas out of the top spot in terms of teams coming into uh, to Lincoln Financial Field this year. It's, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of good games this year in Philadelphia. Absolutely. And I think the last thing I'd say is that the way I would take Devo's comments if I were an Eagles fan is that it's not that he thinks they were necessarily the better team. He might think that, but to me, the biggest thing is it's a bummer. The game didn't get to be played for the best team health, notwithstanding sure. winning. Sure. But that's football. Yep. Yep. Such is life. I know Eagles fans were pretty bummed out when Carson Wentz got knocked out in the Seattle game uh, by, by Jadavian Clowney. So, I mean, it happens and you move on. Um, all right. So let's talk it's about the NFC history we're getting into over here. Yes. That's all. I, 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 I don't just wait into, into, into history. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in time there a little bit. Um, so let's talk about the NFC. You know, we, the draft is over and we're going to see teams make some moves here over these next few weeks. I know the Eagles still have a number of areas that they need to address. Um, the Patrick Queen trade rumors are going to be rampant here in Philadelphia until something happens with him one way or the other with the Ravens. But certainly even the Eagles, as as a, te- as a good a draft as they had, they s- still have holes. But every NFC team has holes right now. So let's let's go ahead and let's rank the NFC teams uh, one to ten. Or not, we don't have to do all of them, uh, but we'll do the top ten and we'll we'll take turns picking which team yeah. we think should be next on the list. And so, um, as the guest, let me throw it open to you first. And uh, what you which team you believe is at the top of the stack here in the NFC following the draft? Absolutely. No, I'm excited for this exercise because when you told me, John, that we were going to do this, I started making my list, and I'm like, I'm very interested to see as we as we switch off how similar our rankings yes. are. Yes, yes. So, I mean, look, the Eagles are number one. It seems like an obvious, a boring, and an uncreative pick because they just went to the Super Bowl and because they're the NFC defending champions. That said, I think they got better this offseason. The positions that they lost someone at, I think that they just stacked up even more, at, whether that's in the secondary or whether that's on the defensive line. And I think that Jalen uh, Hurts now enters the season if he can stay healthy with a lot more of an understanding than a year ago of what mm-hmm. he wants to do, how he's taking over the field, how he's going to read it, how he can be just as effective in the passing game as he is in the running game. And I think that they just, this is a really talented team. It's a team that's got the stability. I know that they lost the coordinators, but I don't, I'm not so concerned about that with the guys that they were able to replace them with. So I think that it would be difficult to convince me the Eagles are not the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, I, I unsurprisingly agree with you. Uh, on <laughs> pick, I had them at number one as well. Um, I, you know, they're they're a little weaker at safety at the moment. I, I think yeah. that's fair. I think they're a little weaker at linebacker. But again, they were in a they're in a much better spot right now after the draft than they were this time a year ago after the draft. Yeah. They, they there are still opportunities to add significant pieces as the summer goes on. So, not a finished product by by any stretch of the imagination. Um, number two, I have the Detroit Lions at number two wow. right now. I wow. think, yeah, I didn't love their first two picks. Obviously, I think picking a running back as high as they did is kind of silly and getting a run-stuffing linebacker in the middle of the first round. I think there are better ways that you can add some pieces. But I think the Lions were that team last year that give them another two weeks. Like if the season had mm-hmm. been 19 weeks long, they not only make the playoffs, they go on a run. 
And I know they needed some work on defense. I think they've addressed their defense in a lot of significant ways this offseason. I do think, you know, having five picks in the top 55 for a time there, I think they really were able to add some significant talent. So I I, I think the Lions are, are that team that's kind of on the ascension. And I look at a lot of these other teams. If Jared Goff plays like he did last year, I'm not sure he's not the second best quarterback in the NFC right now. So that's wow. kind of why I have Detroit at number two at the moment. Yeah, so I had them at five, but I, I like what you're going with this. And I think that's the thing is that are we going off of what people already did or the potential they showed us and the talent that they've got? And the reality is, while from a long-term standpoint, getting Gibbs and getting Campbell might not be the best just positional value, they're going to help now yeah. and they're going to be really good. So I think that it's important to distinguish between was it smart long-term and is it going to make them better in 2023? So I, I, I kind of like that. I didn't have them at two. But I like your your reasoning here. Well, your next pick is going to be your number two pick. So who do you have at number three for our purposes here? Yes. So I had the San Francisco 49ers and I went back and forth between the Niners and the Cowboys. And look, I'm tempted to drop the Niners because as discussed, quarterback's the most important position in football. It's the one that impacts the game the most. And there are questions there at quarterback. Brock Purdy should be starting to get back into throwing in about a month from now on June 10th. It will be the 12 weeks. Um, that said, their skill position is just ridiculous, the guys that they've got there. Their defense is really, really solid. They've got such talent across the defensive line and behind them. They've got Steve Wilkes in there at coordinator now. I just really think from a coaching staff standpoint, from a from a skill staff standpoint, and that organization, think about what they've done. Most teams that gave up what they gave up to get Trey Lance at number three overall are banking on that to go right. They've yeah. had success in spite of that. And they also have Sam Darnold in there if Brock Purdy's not healthy. And I think when we saw so many quarterbacks able to succeed in the San Francisco offense last year, it makes me think that Sam Darnold can as well. So I just trust that organization to kind of like keep the culture right, keep the coaching strong, get the most out of your talent. I'm having them right after that. Where where do you have them? I I had them at number three. I I had them right after the Lions. Yeah, Um, I as 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 big loser energy as we are hearing from the 49ers here in the offseason, the talent will overcome that. They're, they're a really good football team. And if they can get, if they can get that quarterback situation figured out, then they are, then I do think they are the second best team in the NFC. But um, the fact that their quarterback situation is still kind of up in the air. And I don't know that we can expect, I don't know what we're going to see from Brock Purdy here in year number two. He kind of surprised everybody. Maybe right. he'll be just as good. He might not be. So right. kind of, I think we're kind of everybody's expecting Brock Purdy to be a Pro Bowl level quarterback, and he had a really good seven games last year. But yeah, it's fair to see what else he's got here in 2023. Uh, for my number four, I have the Cowboys, and it sounds like you were going in that direction too. Still a loaded team, still a very good team. If, if they've got to figure out their Dak Prescott just rides the wave, man. He if he can if he can be a little bit more consistent and cut down on the interceptions, that's that's a Super Bowl contender right there. The defense has been good for two years in a row, so I, I don't think you can expect that defense to go away. Uh, they they are not they're not going to continue to feed Ezekiel Elliott anymore, and that's a good thing for their offense. Um, I think they probably still need another big time pass catcher. I, I think that would really help that offense along. Uh, but but for right now, I think having I think they have the third best quarterback in the NFC in Dak Prescott and. In this conference, there are so few really good quarterbacks to go around that that has to put them at number four for me. Yeah, I think the Cowboys retained the overwhelming majority of their talent after a year where they played really well, two 12 and five seasons they're coming off. They also traded for Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. And so 
you have to count that into their essential yeah. draft capital that they got. They're not for the long term, but for right now, I think they're both going to make their respective units better. My biggest concerns would be Mike McCarthy calling plays, the offensive line holding up, and Dax interceptions. I'm the least concerned about Dax interceptions. I think that he and his receivers will be more on this on the same page. I think that they're trying to shift the scheme a little bit. So it's not, I mean, it's more West Coast than like Kellen Moore, just like get down the field. Mm. The offensive line, I would say, is a concern though. Not because it's not good, but because I'm not sure they've got the depth they need against, like we said, the Eagles defensive line that you've got now. Dexter Lawrence just re-signed with the Giants. We talked about San Francisco. The teams to beat, the teams to beat in the NFC just have great defensive line play. And I think that will hurt the Cowboys. But I agree. They they've got the talent there that if they can get past a few things, they have the potential. All right. Well, that's uh, we are up to uh, number five. What's your number five team? Yeah, I'll go to Seattle Seahawks. And I actually considered putting them above the Cowboys. I think that Geno Smith was great last year. They've now got a receiver trio of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I mean, that's lethal. They've drafted really well. And it's it's funny how much better they've gotten in the wake of Russell Wilson leaving. They just done a great job using that capital. I think that while Bobby Wagner might not be the best player on their defense he will make everyone about uh, around him better and i kind of like that they got devin witherspoon um to bolster that secondary so i mean i think they have a chance to win the nfc west i think that the 49ers i would still think are more likely to go farther in the playoffs but especially when you think about how the quarterback play can hurt the niners at the very beginning of the year when they have some moving parts i think the seahawks are going to be really competitive yeah, I, I may have underestimated that. As you explain your rationale for the Seahawks, I had them down at like number nine, but the more you mm. talk, the more I, I feel like maybe I'm underselling them a little bit. It's Geno Smith, whether or not, again, last year he was came out of nowhere, way better than he's ever been in his career. Uh, can he do it again now that he's got you know the deal? And it's he certainly looked legit last year, and you're right, he's got more talents around him. So... Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think that's a, I think that's a good pick right there because now we're coming into a space in this list where it's real. You can make an argument pretty much for for anyone. You can see any different ways. Almost. Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to go with the Giants here next um, yeah. at, at number six because. Again, with the quarterback, Daniel Jones played really, really well last year, um, but he he definitely had some moments. As the playoffs against the Eagles is one of them where he he wasn't as effective. Um, he's got to prove that he can be, I think, beat really good defenses and and be able to do a little bit more throwing the football. Uh, he's he's a good runner. He did enough last year in that offense. They still have some issues to work out with Saquon Barkley and his contract, but I think he'll be back. He'll be another year older, so we'll see. But they were a surprise last year, and I just I love their coaching staff. I, I I think I think Dayball's a really good coach. He's really smart. As much as I would like to bag on the Giants, you know Joe Shane knows what he's doing. You know you got these two Buffalo guys in here, and they've brought some senility to uh, to this team. So um, Dave Gettleman wasn't your picture perfect senility. I miss Dave. I miss Dave very very much. I he's wish Dave would come back. Yeah. Yeah. For our purposes, he was fantastic. Loved him. Um, so no, this is a, this is a team that actually knows how to, it seems like they know how to build. And I think they're in the, in the process of doing that. They still need some additional skill position help, but overall, I think the giants are, are kind of emulating what the Eagles want to do and building through the lines. And so, uh, I think I've got them at, at number six. Yeah, we're back to the same place because, again, I had Lions at five. So I also had the Giants at six. And I think for a lot of the same reasons for you. I mean, one of the notes I had, which you put really well, is that 
the triumvirate of Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and Wink Martindale have earned the benefit of the doubt that they will get the most out of their players. Yeah. I think you've got now the cornerback in Deontay Banks, who's going to be pretty key in, in helping that like sort of man uh, scheme that Wink's going to want to do. And from a talent standpoint on the skill set side, they have sort of these like high reward, low risk guys that they signed and Darren Waller, they traded for the yeah. tight end out of, out of the Raiders. And you've got Paris Campbell at receiver. So if they can get Saquon there, which I agree with you, I expect him to be playing this season. And if he can stay healthy, I think they've got it. I don't think they're done in terms of the talent that they need to acquire to go all the way, but I think that they're going to be a good team again. Yeah, I, I think they, you're right about that. And and they, I forgot about Darren Waller. You're adding him was, was good. They seem to really be focusing on more speed. They, they want to get more yeah. speed on the outside and, and try and get faster, which I think is smart. Yes, absolutely. So right, at number, number seven, yeah. I've got the Minnesota Vikings. Um, did you have them at seven before I get into my recent? I did have the Vikings at seven, actually. Yes. There we go. We're back aligned. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is very good, if not elite. Justin Jefferson is elite. They got TJ Hawkinson and they're at tight end, which I loved that midseason acquisition last Mm -hmm. year. I thought that really helped them out. And I think that their defense will be vastly improved under defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. So, I might regret putting them this low. Like they're one of those teams who could be so high, but also so low. Yeah. But I still just have trouble believing like on one hand, you need to finish games in the NFL and all of their one score wins and last minute yeah. wins last year are awesome. I think they had something like nine of them. Yeah. And I, I don't know. On the other hand, when you're that close and you're just playing with fire like that, it can't last forever. So um, I think that they're now in a division where, yes, they've got the Lions, but Aaron Rodgers is no longer tormenting the NFC North. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll do some good things, but I, I would expect them to be a little worse from a record standpoint than last year. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't getting any younger. I was kind of surprised to see he's 34 now, I think, which was yeah kind of surprising. So um, they, they, they're interesting. I think the Vikings, I had, like I said, I have them at seven as well, but that could be a team that takes a big step back this year. Yeah. I think, you know, there, there are some playoff teams where you, you're trying to read the tea leaves and see like, well, what was it? Were they for real last year? And like you mentioned the one score games and a lot of facets, it's easy to argue that wasn't quite for real, that record. Maybe yeah. they were closer to a 500 team, a one game over 500 team. And if things don't go right, I could see things going south there in Minnesota. But for right now, I think with with Cousins, where he was last year, I think you have to have him at, at number seven. Yeah, and the other thing I'd say about that is that I think that the playoffs were really an indication of how far the Vikings and the Eagles were from one another. Yeah. When you see what the Giants did to beat the Vikings and how much they lost to the Eagles by yes there are more than variables than just the teams but I just think that kind of showed how different the level of competition in those playoff games were yeah and the Eagles really handled them easily early in the season I think it was week two on that Sunday night game Monday that was Monday night football where they, yeah. they were able to really shut them down Jalen so. Hurts coming out game in a lot of ways that's yeah, exactly exactly right um all right so for number eight I was kind of hemming and hawing around this portion of the list here and I think I'm going to go with the Rams because um, I'm I, the re, my my reasoning for that is that if Matthew Stafford is healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and I still think there's enough talent there that if the that if Matthew Stafford plays like Matthew Stafford of two years ago, the Rams mm-hmm. are going to be a tough out. And I'm looking at some of the other teams that are left. You know, you've got like the you know the Saints and the Commanders and the Falcons and some of these other teams. I think they're they're all right there. And I'm looking at quarterback in a lot of these different situations. And I think of those guys, Matthew Stafford, if healthy, is the best of those guys. 
So I'm going to say Sean McVay, who I think is a little overrated as a coach anyway, but still a good Ooh. coach. Um, McVay and Matthew Stafford. Do you think they, Kyle Shanahan is overrated as a coach? Um, no, I, I do don't. not. I yeah, don't. I don't. I, I think. You, Tim yeah, no, I think he. I, I think we've seen Kyle Shanahan do more with less um, yeah. in a lot of cases on offense, and he's. I think yeah. he's uh, more legit than than Sean McVay is. But they both have their their weak spots for sure. Um, but I'm gonna. Yeah, I think right now I'd, I'd have the Rams at number eight uh, in the NFC. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't have them in my top ten. And I think that when you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, they do still have Cooper Cup. They do still have Aaron Donald. They still got some guys. They got rid of a lot of talent this year. And so I struggle because on one hand, I think that their offensive line injuries were so out of the norm that I think it's fair to say their offensive line will be better this year, which will allow so many things in their offense to work better. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're a less talented team than they were a year ago. And I mean, you get rid of guys like Jalen Ramsey, like they really just were Bobby Wagner. They're not Mm -hmm. trying to have the most talent available this year. They're trying to have sort of a reset year. Uh, I I also just have a lot of questions about Matthew Stafford's health. And I know that health on any team is going to be a question mark, but I think when you see what his elbow did in the preseason last year with that age, I'm not so sure he's going to be healthy. Like I was saying on our Yahoo podcast this week, like are we going to see Stetson Bennett starting in the first few weeks this year? Because we might. Yeah. Um, but I get what you're saying. They do still have like at premium positions with Aaron Donald and with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They've still got some high end talent and they do still have the remnants of a Super Bowl culture. So I get what you're saying. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I've yeah, I was kind of just assuming Matthew Stafford would be ready to start the season. But that would be that would certainly be uh, <laughs> that would certainly not be good if he's not. So, all right, I think we're up to nine now, right? Yes. Yeah, so nine for this exercise. And I had them at eight is the Carolina Panthers. Oh. I I get that this is a team that just picked Bryce Young number one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is such a, a rare circumstance for a number one overall quarterback to come into. Because first of all, they traded up for number one. Second of all, this is a team that, and Frank Reich, yeah, first year head coach in Carolina. But he's got so much experience as a head coach. Yeah. He knows how to run an organization. He knows how to develop a quarterback. And you're bringing Bryce Young into a group with a good offensive line, which I don't know if you can say the same about all the quarterbacks that just got drafted. Yeah. And this sort of veteran weapon group of Adam Thielen at receiver, Miles Sanders at running back, Hayden Hurst at tight end. And I'm not saying they're the best at their positions, but I think in terms of that veteran experience to help a guy like Bryce Young, acclimate to the NFL really quickly I think they can and I also look at what they did the last half of the the 2022 season with Steve Wilkes and I'm like these guys are motivated and they were motivated even when they knew their season was probably lost and I guess they were still kind of in contention in their division so I like what the Panthers can do this year I'm not saying they're going all the way but I think they'll be competitive right away they remind me a lot of Jacksonville last year yeah they could very well have a Jaguars-like season in 2023. Be that team that that wins nine games, kind of surprises, wins nine, ten games, wins a playoff game. If yeah. Bryce Young develops, Frank Reich, I think we're we're seeing, I think with with Carson Wentz and what he did after Indianapolis, that it wasn't necessarily Frank Reich was the problem with the Colts. <laughs> that it was maybe more of a more of a personnel thing uh, with the Colts. And I, I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to coach those guys up. And like you said, they've added talent. They play and they play in a division that's there for the taking. I mean, there's absolutely, absolutely. no dominant NFC. Bryce Young might be, I don't know. He's not the best quarterback in the NFC because the team I'm going to mention, I think has the best quarterback in, in that division. Uh, but I, I love that call. And I had the Panthers at 10 actually on, on my personal list. So my, my, yeah. 
so this was my number nine. I have the Saints. Um, I have Saints at nine too. Okay. So yeah, I mean, Derek Carr coming aboard gives that team legitimacy and they were tough last year. Their yeah. record wasn't great. The Eagles got their number 10 overall pick, and you know we were very happy about that. But as the season went along, they really played well. They, they played the Eagles really tough at the end of the season in Philadelphia, granted with Gardner Minshew, but they didn't let him breathe. And Gardner Minshew was not as bad a quarterback as the Saints made him look in that second-to-last game of the season. They were really impressive to me. I thought that they, they really played well in the secondary. They played well on defense. Uh, along the along the lines, and I bringing Derek Carr on board um, makes them a legitimate NFC playoff contender. So I I think the Saints they're my number nine team, but number ten here overall in our list. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I had the Saints at nine too. So I think we had the same top ten teams, except I had the Falcons at ten, and you had the Rams a little bit higher up. I agree. I think we're probably underrating the Saints. I also, I mean, I think. Derek Carr and the Saints each have something to prove this year with Sean Payton getting his opportunity in Denver. And I don't know if you're if you're a Saints player who's been there for a while, you can't feel good about the way Sean Payton handled that. I'm not no. saying guys should coach if they don't want to, but to say eh, our talent's not as good as we we once had. Like we don't have the quarterback anymore. I'm going to take a year off and then make y'all give it like trade. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just I, I think you have to have a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. And Derek Carr, similarly in Vegas, like he was not bad last year. But the potential for what he and Devontae Adams, especially with their pre-existing relationship, should have done together, didn't come to fruition. And so when you think about the talent that they have, how that team has been consistently good for a lot of years, and now they've got Derek Carr in there, I think that's a group with already like a hard-nosed mentality, and now they all got chips on their shoulders for various reasons. So I think they definitely belong in the top 10. Well, that's our list to run down for people. Eagles, Lions, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings, Rams, Panthers, Saints. That's our that's our top 10 kind of because we both have different top 10 lists. But that's how it all shook out here in our in our little draft. Um, Jory, for people who want to read your stuff, they can go to your Twitter timeline at Jory Epstein, of course. But you also mentioned the Yahoo podcast. Uh, tell folks about the Yahoo podcast where they can get it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, All YouTube, the places. everything. Yeah, so Yahoo Sports on YouTube if you want to watch us on video. But the podcast is You Pod to Win the Game. And if you search Yahoo Sports NFL, you'll get our stuff. And we definitely have plenty of Eagles conversations. And like I said, I talked to Nick Bosa this week, and that will be on our podcast this coming Monday. So that'll be Monday the 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, would love would love for y'all to tune in. Come check us out. Charles Robinson's been covering the league for almost 20 years, and he and I do that podcast together. And um, definitely we'll have more Eagles coverage in writing on Yahoo's website as well as on podcast coming soon. Yeah, man, subscribe to the YouTube folks. Uh, follow the, Use the follow button on uh, whatever your podcast app is and uh, make sure you're getting that every time they do a new show. Jory, thank you so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, John. This is fun. We'll do it again sometime. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child did
didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, well, to wrap up the podcast, I do want to talk about the Debo Samuel comments from this week just a a little bit more he said the eagles are his most hated team right now 100 percent this is in an interview that he did uh, with complex he said quote all the trash talk coming from the eagles fan base and the players you just get tired of that well let's be honest here debo let's be fair about this it was the 49ers who came into philadelphia talking all of the trash and yes the Eagles beat the 49ers 31-7 to with when Brock Purdy went out with the torn ulnar collateral ligament, and he needed Tommy John surgery. Now, one of the things that Debo said that's just factually inaccurate is that he said, quote, we lost because we played with 10 people. That's just not true, okay? When Brock Purdy went down, they still had a backup quarterback. It wasn't a good one. And that's not the Eagles' fault. That's not that's on the 49ers front office. That's that's on them for having Josh Johnson as the backup quarterback. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the 49ers didn't suffer from a ton of bad luck in last season. And the fact they were still able to get to the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy says a lot about their resiliency. Okay, and it says a lot about the coaching staff. It says a lot about Kyle Shanahan. That's why I don't think he's overrated. They, they had lost two quarterbacks in the season, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I get the fact that they should not have been in the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy. The fact that he took them there was incredible. They should feel good about that. This is not the first time a starting quarterback has gotten knocked out of a playoff game. I mean, I, I mentioned the Carson Wentz thing against Seattle a couple of years ago. When Carson Wentz got knocked out of that game, he was still a pretty good player. And you felt good about the Eagles' chances of winning that game. But when Jadavian Clowney didn't hit him cleanly, it was a dirty hit and concussed him to knock him out of the game. That wasn't because the Eagles' offensive line failed to protect Carson Wentz or anything like that. It was a dirty play. Okay, that's one thing. Now, it... Is it on the Eagles, the fact that Josh McCown was the backup quarterback that day and that he couldn't do anything against Seattle? Yes. That's why you didn't hear Eagles players and Eagles fans ripping the Seahawks and they're our most hated team now because we would have won if we hadn't had to play with 10 people. What does that say about your backup quarterback, the fact that you didn't consider him one of your 11? That's on you all. Okay, would things have been different if Brock Purdy had stayed in the game? Maybe. And like I said, I think you have to, as an Eagles fan, you have to be open to that possibility. Now, I was one of the few people going into that game that thought the Eagles were going to blow out the 49ers because I did believe that they would destroy Brock Purdy. I didn't think they would let Brock Purdy breathe. Brock Purdy had never faced a good team on the road in his brief NFL career going into that game. All of his big wins had come at home against good teams. The two playoff games he won were both at home. He'd never gone into a place like Lincoln Financial Field and have to win on the road in that kind of a situation. Not many people have. So it was not surprising to me at all that the 49ers got blown out in that game. I thought they were going to get blown out with Brock Purdy in it anyway. The Eagles were physically dominating that team, but it was close when Purdy went down. It was close. It was, what was it? It was 7-0 when Purdy went down. And the 49ers did score after that and made it a 7-7 game. And from that point on, 
the Eagles just completely dominated them with the running game. The, the 49ers defense couldn't do anything to stop the Eagles offense. And the 49ers defense didn't lose anybody. Josh Johnson, when Josh Johnson went down midway through the third quarter, yes. At that point, the 49ers had no chance to come back. But they were not coming back with Josh Johnson. They were not coming back with him under center. It wasn't happening. And we all know this. This is, this is unfortunately, the way the 49ers have reacted to this is, has been to whine and complain and be immature about it. Contrast that to how the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, right? With the, with the officials call at the end of the game, a very questionable call. You can, you can, if, if, listen, as an Eagles fan, I don't feel like they should have made that call. They didn't make that call all night. But James Bradbury himself admitted that he held on the play. Okay? So, you don't see the Eagles reacting the, the same way the 49ers are reacting. And if this is how the 49ers have to motivate themselves going into next year, okay. But you look like you've got the biggest loser energy ever. This is huge loser energy. The amount of respect that I've lost, and I got to believe that Eagles players have lost for the 49ers, is immense. Now, the 49ers are good. No doubt about it. The 49ers, if it's not the Lions, and you just heard us do our our, our hierarchy of, of of NFC teams, the 49ers still are the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC right now. And they're going to be coming into Philadelphia next year. And for me... I have the 49ers game circled as the number one game in Philadelphia next year. It's not going to be Dallas. All right. It's not going to be any of the other NFC East teams. And they're, they're facing a bunch of good teams in, in the Bills. And you've got the, 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 the Dolphins coming in next year. You've got the Vikings coming in next year. Jonathan Gannon is returning with the Cardinals. That's going to be maybe not a great game on the field, but certainly in the, in the headlines and the tabloids, that's going to be a lot of fun. But the 49ers game next year, that is that is one I'm circling. And it certainly sounds like they're circling it too. They gotta come back into Philadelphia and handle business. Can they do it? They're certainly putting a lot on Brock Purdy's shoulders, believing that Brock Purdy was gonna be the savior when their entire team was getting pushed around the field the entire day. And I'm sorry, I'm not crying for Brock Purdy getting hurt in that game. Right? They didn't kill him. He's going, to be, he's going to recover. He's probably going to play this year. We'll see how effective he can be. But there's absolutely, yes. Would you rather have seen as a football fan, not an Eagles fan, I'm not asking this question of you Eagles fans, because I know we were more than happy to watch the 49ers play that game without Brock Purdy, to watch them have to play that game doing nothing but running the ball in the last quarter and a half. But they, they weren't going to stop the Eagles. They were not stopping that Eagles offense in that running game. Even with Brock Purdy in there, they probably don't run, but they do have a better chance. And I can understand being being a little bit wistful at, at wishing you had your starting quarterback in. I, guess what? I guarantee you the 2019 Eagles wished that Carson Wentz had been able to stay healthy in that game. I'll bet you. But they're not, they weren't crying about it in the days and weeks afterwards. Not like the 49ers have been. It's, it's, a, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And Kyle Shanahan needs to be telling these guys to shut up. You know, sweet. And Debo said in the article, I ain't going to keep going on about what could have happened and what would have happened. But yeah, it would have been definitely a different outcome. No, it definitely wouldn't have been a different outcome. Maybe it would have been a different outcome. You could say maybe it would have been a different outcome. We would have liked to have seen what we could have done 
with our, if our starting quarterback if our starting quarterback hadn't gotten hurt. But you went into that game with no option after Brock Purdy. None. None. You went into that game with no third string quarterback. That's poor planning. You want to be mad at somebody. You want to talk about the hate in the Eagles. The Eagles are my most hated team now. Okay. You know, save a little bit of that animosity for your front office. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But you know what? The Eagles, the Eagles are the bullies. The Eagles right now are in the NFC what the Dallas Cowboys were in their heyday when they were America's team. And remember the Eagles, you know, we used to hate the Cowboys. And I know a lot of us still do hate the Cowboys, and that's fine. They don't deserve that much of our hate anymore because they're just not that good anymore. They're not that elite team anymore. They haven't been for two decades. We're that team now. And we're going to be that team for the next few years. We're the team with the unquestioned best quarterback. We're the team with the best home field advantage in the NFC. We're the team that's been to two Super Bowls in the last six years. We're the baddies. We're the bullies. We're the bad guys. And so, you know what? I love it. You want you, Debo, you want to make us enemy number one for you? Awesome. We, the, the Eagles, they don't care. Just like the Cowboys, just like America's team didn't care who hated them. They didn't care that the Eagles hated them all those years. They didn't care that the Eagles hated them when Buddy Ryan was around. They didn't care that the Eagles hated them when Dick Vermeil was around. Yes, the Eagles got their number in 1980, and that was awesome. And Buddy Ryan got their number a lot in the regular season when he was around. But the Cowboys are the ones that won all those Super Bowls. They didn't care. They didn't care. And I don't think the Eagles care. We're that team now. That's what this tells me. All these other teams in the NFC, they're looking up at the Eagles. And that's where you that's what you want as an Eagles fan. That's where you want them looking. You want them looking up at the big boys. Because that's what the Eagles are now. The Eagles are the big boys. Debo, you, you want to hate the Eagles? They're your most hated team 100%? Man, that is music to our ears. Keep singing that. Because you got to come into Philadelphia next year and back that up. And you're putting a lot on your boy Brock. Putting a lot on his shoulders. Wonder if, wonder how much he like, And I wonder how Josh Johnson feels about basically being told that he wasn't even on the field. He wasn't even a part of what was going on in that game. And they certainly didn't set Josh Johnson up to succeed in that game. So that's the Debo Samuel situation. And as Eagles fans, I'm feeling great about it. I'm feeling great about it. And I cannot wait for that game against the 49ers next year. We don't know when it's going to be. Uh, I would, you know, we on the next podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the Eagles schedule next week and, and who they could play and when, because it's fascinating. So many fascinating games on the Eagles schedule next year. It's going to 2023 is going to be a blast. It's going to be such a fun season. I cannot wait. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Jory Epstein for joining me on the podcast. Terrific guest. We'll definitely have her back on again in the near future. Continue to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day, as well as all of the great podcasts we have for you at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. Gene and...